Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. If you could open up your life-changing book, The Love Letter from God to You and Me, to Acts chapter 18, and we're going to pick up in verse 5. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. If you've been following with us, Paul had come down from the area of Berea, Thessalonica, and um, Philippi up in the north part of uh, the Greece area and came all the way down. But he came down by himself. And he sent for Silas and Timothy to join him. So they have caught up. They traveled the hundreds of miles and they're with him now. And that really pumped Paul up. It's so good when you have people that come into your life to pump you up, spiritually speaking, isn't it? It's so important that we all have those people in our life. Paul was so encouraged that one of the things he did while he was in Corinth is he wrote the first letter to the Thessalonians from Corinth. Verse 6. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And I know myself, and I know speaking with a couple of you in here, you know, you will share Jesus with someone, or you'll have discussions with people, and they'll They won't receive it. And you try and you try and you try, but they won't receive it. You might have planted a seed, you might have watered a seed, but it might also be time to move on. And I read something really cool today in studying uh, for this. You know, we're praying for one another. We uh, intercede, we interact with one another, and we might have family members at home that are struggling. Well, your family members, people on the internet are family members, and we're ministering to them. And the thing I read was, you know, while we're ministering to other people's moms and dads, brothers and sisters, God has the ability to use others to minister to our loved ones too. So it isn't always dependent on just mom or dad or the son or daughter to be praying for the mom. God takes care of the prayers of His people. It might not always be in our time frame, but we just have to give it to the Lord and just wait sometimes. To have blood on your head, as stated in this verse 6, means you are to blame for your own judgment. You had a chance to be saved, but you rejected it. 
And that's basically what Paul is saying here. Your blood be upon your own heads. It's interesting words, isn't it, used by Paul, who probably was in the crowd at the trial of Jesus. And in that crowd, or with that mob, remember Pilate took water and he washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And in response, the Jewish crowd demanding the crucifixion of Jesus declared, His blood be on us and on our children. And that's in Matthew 27, 25. Well, they responded to Pilate's attempt to escape responsibility by accepting the blame upon themselves and their own children. This response just showed the degree to which the uh, the Jewish crowd wanted Jesus dead. That's how much hatred and disdain they had for our Savior and Lord. They were willing to take blame for it, including punishment upon themselves and their own children. And at this point in the crowd, Pilate gave over to their demands and allowed the crucifixion to take place. Some interpreters believe this punishment literally did take place among the Jews. Many of them and their children were killed when Jerusalem was totally destroyed by the Romans 40 years later in 70 AD. That was essentially the end of the Jewish nation. From that time, the Jews were scattered and persecuted until the nation came back in 1948. A long, long time. But one of the things I was reading, and I don't really think that God's punishment on the Jews and their children were throughout the centuries, but we do know that the nation of Israel as a whole has turned their back on God. Many atheists in Israel, like Corinth, immorality, rampant, one of the biggest cities in the world for immorality is Tel Aviv. Isn't that amazing? Right in, right in Israel. God's nation. God's people. In Luke chapter, five, uh, chapter 9, verse 5, it says, And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And in Matthew 7, 6, it says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. How do you know if somebody will receive God's word or not when you witness to them? You really don't unless you see their attitude before you even approach them. However, one of the things we should be doing is praying. Every morning we wake up, Lord, bring people into my path today that I can talk to about you and soften their hearts. 
so that they can receive those things that you put on my heart to share with them. But it's important for all of us to read God's Word because it's living and active and He uses the words that we read daily that day, that fresh manna. I'm sure many of you have seen that in your own lives when you read God's Word and you're into His Word. How that will come back to refresh you or something that you have read you will share with somebody you meet that day. But you don't want to read three hours Sunday night and not read again till three hours the next Sunday night. It's like that fresh bread in the manna with Moses, isn't it? You want a fresh outpouring. You want to speak with God every day. Get a, get a fresh point of His Word into your heart and into your mind and into your spirit. The time we're looking at is approximately 53 A.D. And in verse 7 we read, And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. And this is basically where we left off last time. And I think it's, uh, they say it could have even been an adjoining wall. That on the other side of that wall was a synagogue and here was a house church that Justice was having a home group Bible study. And when people came to his house, people were also going into the synagogue. Two things were happening, two different things. And in the synagogue, the law was being taught. Basically, the Ten Commandments. And all the other laws that they put along with the Ten Commandments. The do's and the don'ts. I know I've come from, some church, from churches that had a lot of do's and don'ts. And most of the time that made me didn't do. I didn't do those things that I was supposed to do. And I come to find out it's because I was under the law. And on the other side of that wall was a home Bible study, a house church. And they were learning about Jesus Christ, the things that he taught. They were learning about the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of Jesus, the Feast of Pentecost, and the things that God did through those apostles and disciples, men and women who put their hearts in God's hands and they saw things take place that they never saw before because it was the living God working in people's lives who were committed to Him. So on one side of the wall was law, the other side was grace. Pretty interesting when you think of how God had that set up right near each other. And we'll look at a couple things that happened while that church, those two churches were there. Verse 8, then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, right next door, right? Believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing what took place, believed and they were baptized. 
In 1 Corinthians 1.14, it says, uh, Paul says, that I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So this was at Crispus. He was, he was a ruler of the synagogue who left the synagogue and came next door to the home church. He was born again. So now all the people that had been going to the synagogue, seeing the leader leaving, going next door, said, what is going on here? What is happening? They were being, what was happening was there was new wine being poured in new wineskins. All of us have come out of a background, I'm sure, for the majority of us, where we were in old wineskins. We didn't have a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things, right, that we want to always do is have that fresh outpouring of God's Spirit in our, our hearts, our lives. That's so important for us to stay fresh and walk in with Jesus and abiding in the vine to be fed. I love that how Crispus, just the influence of his move, his decision for Christ, influence so many others. Do you know that your living for Jesus Christ influences other people? You have an impact on others. And the more you allow yourself to be used by Jesus, the more you will touch other lives for the good. Because there's a lot of hurting people out there today. And it's getting worse. And people are looking in a dark world for light. They're looking in a hopeless word, uh, world for hope. They're looking in a dying world for life. And we know the answer. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. One of the things as we just look at that verse for a couple minutes, notice that the Lord is speaking to Paul in night by a vision. And notice what he says first. Don't be afraid, Paul. Wow. Paul was afraid? This superstar of the Christian faith was afraid? but He was already on one missionary journey. He was beaten, left for dead, beaten again. Yet we see inside Paul here. We see the inside of the man right now. That like you, like me, we're human. And Paul had concerns. He had fear. But Jesus brings a peace. Paul was in communion with God. He talked to God. He knew His Word. He read His Word. They were one. And God says to him, don't be afraid, Paul. Just go ahead and speak. 
And don't keep silent. See, the tendency for us is to be silent. We're, we're being pressured by society, aren't we? To shut our mouths. And God tells us not to be silent. We're told by society, well, you're, that's hate speech. Hate speech. Hate speech? Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins and mine, wants to forgive you your sins and bring you and give you everlasting light? Is hate speech? No, no, we got it backwards. The hate speech is what they're doing to keep the truth and the love of God away from people who are crying out, who are being deceived. And they need to hear about Jesus. And he uses you and me to do that. And that's a tremendous thing. That's an awesome thing. And I always say this, never think you're too young or too old to be used by the Lord. Because it's the Holy Spirit in you. It has nothing to do with your physical appearance, your physical health, how young or how old you are. It's up to your willingness to be used by Him. He's looking for people who are available, who just want to be used and empowered by God. And notice what God says to Paul in the vision. For I have many people in this city. You know, Corinth, as you study it and look at it, was a lot like our society today. The immorality, the debauchery, the drinking, the worship of different idols. And remember, an idol doesn't have to be a statue. It can be. But an idol is anything that is in place of God. It can be a person. It can be a sports figure, a movie star. It can be anything. It could be you. You're on the throne instead of Jesus. What's ever on the throne of our life, if it isn't Jesus, has got to be kicked off. Charles Spurgeon, talking about these two verses, 9 and 10, and especially that verse in the beginning of verse 10, for I am with you. Think of that. For I am with you. That's God saying to Paul, I'm with you, Paul. Put your name in there. I'm with you. Put your name right there. Because Jesus said he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's not a promise. It's a fact. It's a fact. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. So Spurgeon, commenting on that, said, he felt that, for I am with you, emphasized three facts. The presence of Jesus in your life. The sympathy of Jesus for what you're going through inside whether it's stress, anxiety, fear, anger, whatever it is. He sympathizes with you. He knows your mind. He knows your heart. He knows your spirit. And thirdly, 
the cooperation of Jesus. He wants to work with each of us. He wants to be an integral part of our lives. So as we forge ahead and we get closer and closer to meeting him face to face, we are getting Jesus strong, which is the title of the message. Jesus strong. He wants to make us strong in him so that whatever he puts in our path, careers, different opportunities, trials, tribulations, sicknesses, death, we're Jesus strong in these areas. Because I don't know about anybody here and anybody on the internet, but without Jesus Christ, I'm nothing. I have no strength. I can do nothing. Nothing. With a big N. Nothing. I found out that when I'm at my weakest and I need total dependence on Him, He shows Himself strong on my behalf. That's pretty awesome. When I'm poor in spirit, when I realize without Jesus that I'm bankrupt, there's nothing in the spiritual bank without Him. I depend on Him to fill me up. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul wrote that, you know, when he was in Hawaii on Waikiki Beach. No. He was in a prison. A dark, dungy, stinky prison in Philippi. Plus, he had his back opened up. He was whipped. Could you and I have written that in those conditions? Yes, if we're Jesus strong. No, if we're Jesus weak. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And ladies, remember, you can put this right here. Your young women shall see visions. Your old women shall dream dreams. This is not an isolated sexist thing. This is for the children of God. He speaks to us. And what's so cool is we know that Jesus speaks to us through His precious Holy Word that we're holding in our hands or looking at on our device. Verse 11, And He continued there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. It wasn't a Calvary Chapel, but notice what they do, or He did, just like we do, teaching the Word of God among them. There's nothing more or greater to do 
in a church setting than teaching God's Word. And he did that for a year and a half. I think that says it all, don't you? Just teach the Word of God so people will know what God says. And then they get such, they become so on fire that they dive into the Word of God all the time. They don't have to wait till Wednesday or Sunday or a, a men or women's group. They can't wait to open up God's book to see what God wants to say to them today. May that be something that happens to all of us. Just that hunger and desire and passion and diligence to just get into God's Word all the time. Paul was a person committed to making disciples. In verse 12, when Galileo was proconsul of Ahia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, also known as the Bema seat, saying, this fellow persuades, persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. I don't know how long ago, but in an archaeological dig in Corinth, they, they uncovered the Bema seat where Paul uses that, spiritually speaking, of the Bema seat of Christ that one day you and I, born-again believers, will stand before Jesus Christ to receive our awards for living for Him on this earth. The Bema seat, the judgment seat. But there's going to be another judgment. And that's going to be to the unbelievers. That's, going to, that's known as the white throne judgment. Where people who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they'll stand one day and Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me into the place I've created for the devil and his angels. The importance of you and I being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ is crucial for our eternal destiny. We should be getting Jesus strong or stronger every day. Every day. If any of you have ever worked out, what happens if you work out hard for a month and you take five months off? Same thing, spiritually speaking. I'll read the Bible once in a while. Well, you're missing your workout. Your spiritual muscles are becoming atrophied. You're becoming weaker. And you know what happens when you're spiritually weak? Everything starts to happen, inside and out. Stay Jesus strong. So you have these Jewish guys that were opponents of Paul. They brought him to the judgment seat and said, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. In John chapter 4, verse 23, you all know the story with the Samaritan woman. Verse 23 says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. 
Remember that dividing wall, the synagogue and the, and the house church? One side was in the law. They were steeped in the law. The do's and the don'ts. The other side was worshiping God in spirit and in truth. That is so important. If your spirit isn't born again, you can't worship Jesus in spirit and truth. You can get emotionally charged by a good song or good lyrics. You can read the Bible as a book. But if you're not spiritually born again of the spirit where you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for me. I want to follow you. Just cleanse me of my sins. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Come in and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, open up my eyes to be able to see what you're saying, to hear what I'm hearing. That's so important, right, everybody? That's so crucial that we've taken out of the judgment seat and we're put on the mercy seat of God himself. That he is now our dad. He's our father. We're his sons. We're his daughters. Verse 14. And when Paul was about to open his mouth. Paul was about to answer. Watch what happens here. And think of what we read in verses 9 and 10. Where it says, do not be, where God said, do not be afraid but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. So here Paul in verse 14 is about to open his mouth and now God fulfills his word. Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves. For I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. So basically he was saying, get out of here, you guys. I don't want to deal with your problems. This is not a Roman problem. This is your religious problem. Get out of here. I have better things to do. But what is so cool is, that God used a secular person to take care of Paul in this situation. Remember, God can use anyone He chooses to fulfill His Word. He can even use somebody in the White House to fulfill His Word. Even when they're doing things that are anti-God, anti-Bible. Because see, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. And we see it throughout the Old Testament, haven't we? Of all these kings that were godless men, that God used to bring His people back into a relationship with Him. And I believe that's what has happening in our world, in our country. God is separating the chaff from the wheat. Where do you stand? But you and I as believers in Jesus, 
when we see that separation, we still pray for, we still love. If God puts those people on our path, we love them. And maybe we'll see their hearts change and they'll come over to the kingdom side. Amen? Right? This is where we are. We're in this battlefield. All of us are in it. Verse 17. That all the Greeks took Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no notice of these things. This poor guy. Because the Greeks didn't get their way with Paul, they go to the synagogue and they beat the head of the synagogue. I bet the guy who became born again and moved next door to the home church was happy. He left that position. But isn't it something that the world will always look to take it out on someone? And notice Galileo, the Roman counselor, took no notice of these things. There is a story that later on, about 12 years later, he actually um, was killed by Nero. Nero put, him, Nero put him to death. In 1 um, Corinthians 1, Paul called, it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And, um, I'm sorry, missed it. Um, let me do that again. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sinosthes, our brother, this could have been the same guy who's a ruler of the synagogue. And now he's calling him his brother. If it was the same guy, there's probably a great chance that Paul and his friends cleaned up this man who was beaten. They showed him love. They brought him into their family. And he was converted. Because they'll know we're Christians by our love. And what greater way is our love tested than in adverse situations? And I think we spoke about this in the men's group, right guys? We see somebody on the street. Teaching was on the Samaritan. How many people pass that person by before they go over and reach out to him? We're called to reach out not only to one another, but to total strangers. Because that's what Jesus would do. Verse 18, so Paul still remained a good while. He wasn't chased out of Corinth like he was in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. Remember, he was chased out of there. And in Athens, where he was on Mars Hill, where they said, oh, we'll listen to you again sometime. And they never did. So he just left. There was an indifference. There was an apathy. Yeah, there were some people converted, but nothing like we're seeing in Corinth. God told him, told Paul not to worry. No one's going to hurt you, Paul. And there are many people in Corinth God was reaching. And it's just, again, where we see him fulfilling the words he spoke in verses 9 and 10. 
18, again, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. And he had his hair cut off at Cagria, for he had taken a vow, most likely a Nazarite vow. Cagria was a seaport of Corinth. And that's up on the left side where you see the, uh, the red arrow. He went up to the church and fulfilled his Nazarite vow in the temple there. Now the hair, which had been allowed to freely grow like Samson, was cut off and offered to the Lord at a special ceremony at the temple in Jerusalem. I followed the Nazarite vow one time. And after I cut off my hair, it never came back. Go figure. So why this vow? Why did he take this vow? Well, it might have been to set himself apart to God for a certain time. He could have taken this vow because he was going through tough times. What was happened, what happened up in you know, Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. It could just been an expression of gratitude. You can read more about the Nazarite vow in Numbers 6. And usually it was taken, like I said, for a certain period of time. And um, it was cut, the hair was cut off, offered to the Lord. And one of the things Paul was doing, he was still showing the Jewish people who have yet to come to Christ that he was still, he was not anti-Jewish. He wasn't against the Jewish people. He wasn't against their beliefs. He ne- Paul never forgot that he was Jewish. His Messiah was Jewish. Christianity comes out of a a Jewish foundation. The Old Testament forms and rituals might still be used to good purposes. Paul was adamant that Jewish ceremonies and rituals must not be required of the Gentiles, though. He saw nothing wrong with Jewish believers who wished to observe such ceremonies. If... Their fulfillment in Jesus was also recognized. And that was what we saw, a piece of that in the Passover Seder. When we had that gentleman come in and he did such a great job showing Jesus in the Passover. Well, Jesus is in every religious feast of the Jews. Paul loved when he saw Jewish believers observing Jewish ceremonies. When they realized that everything pointed to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23, it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law. Not being without the Lord toward God, but under the law towards Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak. That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men. That I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake. That I might be a partaker of it with you. I think of the good Samaritan. How many people well dressed just walked by that man. 
But then there was one guy, a Samaritan, got down and dirty with this guy, picked him up, brought him into the inn, cared for him, left money that if the innkeeper needed more money to just take care of him. He didn't care how he looked. He broke through that barrier. Is it a mental barrier? I think so. Is it a physical barrier? I think so. But more importantly, it's a spiritual barrier. And Jesus wants to make us strong in Him to break down those barriers that prevent us from being like Him, right? He wants us to be more like Him. Verse 19, And He came to Ephesus and left them there. But He Himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So He left Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. Ephesus. And if we could put up that first picture, or the second picture, Jim, of the temple. Yeah, thank you. One of the chief splendors of um, Ephesus was this, one of the wonders of the world. It was the temple of Artemis. That was right there in Corinth. Much Ephesian history and industry was related to this temple. Craftsmen sold shrines, household images of the goddess, and worshipers could take them along with them, these idols, on trips, on journeys. Paul, if you remember, when we first started his first journey, remember this is his second journey, on his first journey, he wanted to preach in Ephesus. Two years before this happened, but was prevented by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Pastor Dave Guzik states, God has a special timing for everything in our lives. If Paul could have discerned it, the Holy Spirit was really saying, wait, Paul, when he wanted to go to Ephesus instead of, no, he didn't want him to go. Sometimes God says to you and to me, doesn't he? Wait. Just wait. We might take it as a no, but he's really saying, just wait. And he always knows what he's doing when he says it. So what are we going through? What circumstances might you be going through tonight, this week, this month, that you're waiting on the Lord to intercede on your behalf? Like Paul, think of that first missionary journey, all the stuff he went through. You think at the end of his first missionary journey, he would have retired, stayed home, right? He didn't. He now goes on his second missionary journey. And if that's not enough, he's going to go on a third one. And he wasn't in the greatest health. And he didn't have planes and helicopters and automobiles. They had their legs. They had boats sometimes. In Ephesus, the Apostle Paul develops and starts a very flourishing church. Ephesus was a very significant center of trade. It was located right near the harbor. You can see it up there on the map. Right in, almost in the middle of the screen there. 
Major roads connected Ephesus to all the other cities in Asia Minor. It was a travel route. Things came to Ephesus and went out into the whole area right there. And that is also God's Word. It wasn't just goods. People's lives were being changed by the Word of God. Ephesus was one of the most famous cities of the ancient Mediterranean. It was the second biggest city of the Roman Empire, and today it's one of the largest Roman archaeological sites in the eastern Mediterranean. They're still finding things there that go all the way back to this time of history. Each year, thousands of visitors go to Ephesus just to check out all the different ruins. Jim, you can bring up the next slide. Ephesus was known for its amphitheater. At the time, it was the largest in the world, designed to hold up to 50,000 spectators. Looks like one of our stadiums today, doesn't it? Cut in half. Isn't that cool? In verse 20, getting back to 18, as we start to wrap up here, when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he didn't consent. The Ephesians wanted him to stay because they were getting so much out of his teaching. But Paul, in verse 21, took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. But notice, he wanted to come back. He didn't say, I'm coming back. Don't worry about it. He said something that we should all say. God willing. God willing, we'll be here tomorrow or Sunday. God willing, we'll have an opportunity later today to touch somebody's life and point them to Jesus Christ. I believe time's running out. The actor Treat or Williams died a few days ago. Motorcycle accident. 71, 72 years old. Former student of... My wife, who is now 30, his name is Dennis, he was killed yesterday, I believe, in a motorcycle accident. Doesn't matter your age. When time is up, time is up. The question, the most important thing is, are you ready to go? And if you're not ready to go, get ready. And if you're here tomorrow, go in the power of God to touch lives who are not going to always be here on the face of this earth. That is so crucial. 150,000 people died today in the world. They're not here anymore. We need to live, right? As if Jesus died yesterday, was buried today, and is being resurrected tomorrow. We've got to be on that cutting edge. That's how we stay Jesus strong. The coming feast that Paul is referring to was the Passover, and Paul knew he would have a great opportunity to speak about Jesus with important Jewish leaders who were coming from various parts of the Roman Empire, as well as Christian Jews who were returning to Jerusalem for the feast. Our life 
And our plans are in His hands. We don't know what this week is going to bring, the rest of this week. But we know who is bringing us this week. We know who is in control of this week. In James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there and buy and sell and we'll make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we shall live and do this or do that. But now you will boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Tony Evans said, we must allow for divine flexibility. Welcoming God to disturb our plans when he has other purposes for us. I like that. Divine flexibility. Is that cool? When God has other plans for us that we can bend in His direction and not be so rigid. Verse 22, And when He had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, He went up to the church, uh, He went down to Antioch. And in that verse 22, He went up to the church and He fulfilled His Nazarite vow in the temple. And then he went to Antioch and he reported to his home church after almost three years he was away from his home church because of that second missionary journey. And this was the end of his missionary journey, which was about three years. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Frugia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And that's sometime after when he goes to Frugia and Galatia, this is the beginning of his third missionary journey. But there's going to be a pause here because we're going to get to it next time with Apollos back in Ephesus who meets Priscilla and Aquila while Paul is at his home church in Antioch. And in closing, Paul knew that all believers need to be growing stronger. If Paul came into this church, or he came into your home tonight, he knocked on your door and came into your house, besides freaking out once you calm down, he might ask you, what can I do to strengthen your walk with Jesus? And here's what I think he would say to you. Start developing a deeper relationship with Jesus. Spend time with him through prayer. Talk to him. That's what prayer is. Talk to him. Let him know your hurts. Let him know your joys. Let him know your fears, your stresses, your anxieties. Study his word. Don't just read it. Study it. Have your own Bible study. Read His Word. Write down what He's saying to you. 
Get a good commentary and see if there's more stuff that you might have left out of there. But you'll be amazed when you start doing that, the stuff he's speaking to you before you even check it out in a commentary. And you might be surprised that he said the same thing or similar things to other people who are writing the commentaries. That's pretty cool when you know God's speaking to you through your heart and your spirit. Fellowship with other believers. Don't be a lone ranger attendee in a church. Get involved. Meet people. I'm meeting some people back home because there's a thing we're getting involved in in the town. And I'm meeting some great people, some new friends, some old friends. And the bond's being established how? Through time. Look at the bond some of us have in here. Just because we're spending time with one another. So I encourage you all to do that. Be discipled by a mature believer. And also build into somebody else's life. That's what discipleship is. All of us need to be Jesus strong. All of us need to be Jesus stronger. That spiritual workout never, ever stops. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your word. Just full of so many things, Lord. It's just amazing. All the truths and facts, everything that you just do to stir up our hearts. I just pray tonight that um, you would penetrate deep into the hearts of all these loved ones here and on the internet. And just pray, Lord, if there's anybody here or on the internet that has never made a personal decision to give their life to you. Maybe they're in a religion, you know, that um, has a lot of laws and rules and regulations, but they don't have that personal relationship that you want to have so much with them. So I'm going to just say a little prayer, and it's just a prayer from my heart. It's not anything I'm reading or There's no set formula. It's just the attitude of your heart. So if you're there tonight and you want to take Jesus into your heart, just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I have messed up. And Lord, I feel you just tugging at my heart to come into a relationship with you. Jesus, I just want to turn and I want to follow you. Please forgive me my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. You didn't have to do that, but you loved me so much that you came down from heaven to die on a cross. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger for your word, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, 
please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.